We are still riding the high of the Calgary Flames' most recent trade. Your Locked On Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Lockdown Flames. As always, I'm your host, Jess Belmosto, and thank you so much for joining me here today. We have Nick Zararis back as well. Nick, how are you doing? Uh, we're, we're still talking hockey. Things are going well. <laughs> yes, it's always, always a good sign. Um, today, we are uh, going to talk more about what's next for the Flames after this Lindholm trade and what the what the people that get paid the big bucks think of this what what are the experts saying and just of course wrapping it up with our opinion and today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel make every moment more with FanDuel and get 250 bucks in bonus bets if your bet of $5 or more wins visit fanduel.com/lockedon to get started and of course, make sure you're subscribed to Lockdown Flames wherever you're getting your podcasts and on YouTube as well. We are here for you Monday through Friday, your team every day. I've already seen people doing that like knee-jerk reaction of this is the greatest thing that could have happened for this situation or, oh my god, this guy's falling in Calgary even more. Like It's like Chicken Little. So I think the most constructive way to look at this is we said the Flames had to start unwinding their position. They had all these assets. There there are not a lot of quality assets available at this deadline. The Flames were dealing from a position of strength. They were going to be able to get good returns. The trade itself, just executing the trade itself is good. We can all agree on that. The Flames needed to do this. That's the baseline. They needed to get this trade done because they weren't able going to be able to agree to an extension. I've got some stuff on that we're going to talk about a little bit more in the next segment. Experts, what they're saying, what some of the reporting I've been able to piece together about that. But the trade needed to be done. They found a reasonable offer. That's really the end of the story for me. We won't have a declarative answer on how this trade worked out probably for at least another year or two. Yeah, and I don't know if this is necessarily going to be a trade that people are revisiting, uh, you know, seven to ten years from now when I would assume both of the NHL players involved in this trade are long retired. But I I think that, of course, this is this is a step in the right direction for the Flames, regardless of if they go on to secure a wild card spot bottom out for the rest of the season and kick off the spring on the golf course or or whatever somewhere in between there but they they did what they needed to do there's a checklist for Craig Conroy and he there's another UFA off his plate what it means now that 
I think this sends a very clear message to guys who are maybe considering staying like there there's reporting on Hannafin and Tanev, which we can talk about next segment or later on. But to the guys that are considering staying, this is also a kick in the butt to say, hey, if you want to stay, let's sit down and figure out what it's going to take to get this done. Or we're going to start engaging more seriously with other teams because we we have to worry about the team. You know, right. we want you to be here, but no one player is bigger than the team. And for the guys who are going to be here, and for Kuzmenko who's here now, this sets the tone for next season. I don't want to say the next 38, 40 games are effectively a preseason or a trial run, but. That's what they are for next year. This is an audition period for those guys I just mentioned, for when Peltier comes back, whenever Coronado gets another look, anybody else from the AHL who may or may not get a look coming back from injury, guys like Kevin Rooney, guys like um, Dustin Wolf, perhaps getting a more prolonged look. I know I saw some reporting today that Vladar, there's not a lot of interest in. So maybe we don't see Dustin Wolf until that gets rectified, but these are steps we have been begging the flames to be proactive to start making things happen they did it they did not get embarrassed in the trade they got reasonable return we can nitpick the return and we're going to do that believe me this is a hockey podcast <laughs> but at, at face value everything checks out here everything is okay yeah and i am hopeful uh you know I'm not saying this team is going to make a run at the Stanley Cup within the next two years, but I'm I'm comfortable with what what's happening. I think that you you're not going to see a, a puzzle when there's just like the top assembled, and that's where we're at right now. We don't have all of the pieces, and I did like that uh, Craig Conroy talked last night and said we made it clear to him that he's going to be getting a lot more ice time. He's going to be playing on the power play. Like they're giving Kuzmenko an offer or better opportunity than he had has had this season in Vancouver. In addition to that, for the guys who are still here for guys who are going to be here for quite a while, like Huberto, like Kadri, probably like Manjapani and Blake Coleman, I, I was trying to think of an appropriate analogy, but the best I could do is they're still on the Titanic watching, you know, Lindholm, Zadorov, Hannafin, Tanev get on lifeboats off of the Titanic. <laughs> it's going to be taxing. It's going to be difficult to stay engaged the back half of this season, knowing your front office told you, we don't believe in this group. I mean, that was in Julian McKenzie's article today that they lost the four games in a row. Greer got injured. Markstrom is dinged up. At that point, you know, if you're G you're you're G a GM, you have to be responsible and say, well, I'm banking on a lot of things going my way when they haven't gone this team's way in a year and a half. It's not responsible to do that. But for the guys that are still here who are going to have to troop through it, that it's important that the rest of this season does not become a I don't want to say a country club because that's what the Islander fans were using to describe the attitude of the team under Lane Lambert, but you know, lackadaisical, not that competitive, just yeah. clocking in the clock out. It is important. The rest of this season will go a long way in dictating what next season looks like because the flames say they want to stay competitive. They don't want to do the Blackhawks or the shark style, continue trading off all these veterans until there's nobody recognizable on the team. 
Yeah, and I, I really don't know if that's the most um, realistic approach for this team either, just because of how untradeable a majority of those veteran contracts are. Um, but yeah, any final thoughts before we head on to the next segment here? It is important that the rest of this season becomes a launching off point. We've talked mm -hmm. about the Flames need to establish who they want to be going forward. This is a first step. None, I And we talked about this last night on our instant reaction. I don't think any of these assets are slam dunks, and we're going to talk about that in a second. Kuzmenko, I think, is probably a prime candidate to pump his statistics up a little bit and then trade him next year when he becomes an unrestricted free agent and the Flames continue to unwind their position, trading off their veteran players to continue turning over their roster, getting younger, getting cheaper. But in doing that, it's important that Kadri, Huberto, Uyghur, Rasmus Anderson, you know, the established veterans who are good, who have trade protection, who can't be moved. It's important that those guys buy into this idea, too, because if those guys start, you know, if that if their effort level becomes questioned, if their commitment to trying to win games comes into question, that's not a good environment to be bringing new younger guys into. So it's really important that while the Flames have to take their medicine now, that it does this does not become a long-term spiral because we we see that that happens a lot in hockey in particular where if you don't get the first overall pick or even the second overall pick it's really hard to make that leap from tanking to competitiveness again yep and uh there's already a long road ahead of the flames it feels like so let's not extend that trip uh let's do what we can to patch up the hole in the tire right now but coming up next we are going to talk about the experts analysis and opinions on this because that's the fun thing about this is everyone has an opinion and can offer different insight back right after this Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snack, and placing some super bets. Nick, I know we've talked a little bit about it, but are you placing any bets for the Super Bowl? I gotta... I got to start digging into the props because that's where the money's to be made and looking at, you know, what team is good at defending what. If you want to get in on this, I would say just throw $5 on heads or tails, whichever you're feeling in the coin sauce, and just go nuts. Yeah, because uh, new customers, when you join today, you get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Uh, now you can bet on who will – not only can you bet on who win, who will win the Super Bowl – but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score touchdowns, how many points will be scored, and so much more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports book partner of the NFL. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to today's episode of Locked On Flames. Uh, make sure you're subscribed wherever you're getting your podcasts. So you never miss the latest episode uh, full of opinions, latest news, and analysis of your hopefully your favorite hockey team. I love 
seeing everyone's instant reactions. Like last night, that that was fun. Part of the problem with this, and this isn't indicative of just hockey. This is just a, this is a sports media at large issue. You don't know who's pulling punches and who's being serious. Mm-hmm. You can never tell who's trying to play a character where like, you know, the analytics people will be like, well, this trade is inefficient because of this versus the guys who just watch the games who were, well, this guy does this, this and this. Well, he, he mm-hmm. means this. Blah, 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 blah. And it's hard to ascertain a, a, a real average opinion, a real um, not average opinion. That's not the word I'm looking a real um, sample reflective of opinion online because you don't know who's being genuine or not. But <laughs> As far as, you know, the professional people who are writing or you don't even have to be qualified to write about hockey. You can just write about hockey. And if people stumble upon it, they stumble upon it. You can make a TikTok. You can make a YouTube video, whatever. Anybody can do that. But of the people whose opinions I generally read, I respect the, the general consensus is the Canucks needed to push some chips in because they're better than they expected to be. And the NHL is kind of wide open right now. Nobody's really screaming dominant. There are good. Don't get me wrong. There are more good teams in the West, but it's important. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about it more in a minute. It's important for whoever's going to win that Pacific division because you avoid playing the Oilers or the, um, the Golden Knights in the first round. If you finish first in the Pacific, it's really important. You do that because you play, you would play either Nashville, Arizona, or who, Seattle in the first round if you win the Pacific versus having to play Edmonton or Vegas in the first round. And then if you win in the first round, you would have had to play the other one if you were the other team. So it's really important that you win this division. So from the Canucks perspective, they really did have to do this. Yeah. And I feel like there's always going to be moves like that from the true contenders. They're going to be buyers and I think back to the Bruins 2019 season when they went out and got Charlie Coyle and uh I mean Chris Wagner good depth guy but like they they weren't afraid to make moves and I mean granted it didn't end well for them but both players were they did what they were brought in to do and then and then some yeah absolutely it's interesting because Generally speaking, the teams that make the splash move, the big move, don't don't usually win the Stanley Cup. It's usually the team that adds the depth forward that plays mm-hmm. in the top nine or that extra bottom pair defenseman to really deepen and elongate their lineup because it's hard. We talked about this last night. Dropping Lindholm into that situation, from what I understand, it looks like they are going to start by playing him with Elias Pedersen and putting JT Miller with um with Brock Besser. But they also have the option to go back to some combination of what they had been doing, where they put um, Pedersen with Besser and JT Miller, and then putting Petter, uh, Elias Lindholm on the second line with Nils Hoaglander and any other combination. But dropping somebody into a team's top six, he's going to slide into their first power play. That's a lot of responsibility to take on and try and pick up on the fly for a team that's got these expectations now because they went and brought you in. And especially a competitive team like that I think and a team that is getting their real taste of a quality season for the first time in quite a long time so they're 
is that extra pressure, but there's also that excitement because you're going from a team that uh, is not very, very good uh, to a team that has the potential to go on a deep playoff run. You have top tier players. It's not a poorly constructed roster. You're not going to die there. There, There's some hope. And that's where I think a lot of people who were just looking at the snapshots of a Lysland home season this year are kind of, they're not getting the full picture. Um, he's shooting about three, 4% off his career pace. If he was shooting closer to his career average, he would be in the neighborhood of 18 or 19 goals, which is a lot more in line with his rate stats, what they would be for a full season. So going to a better environment, a better team, a team that plays better defense where he's going to have more complimentary pieces as opposed to having to drive the boat himself. There are a lot of things from the Canucks perspective that I think I like this trade for them. And as for the Flames, we we talked about the idea last night that it's really going to come down to what your opinion of these prospects are because Kuzmenko is already 26 turning 27. He's only under contract for one more year, may or may not stay long term. The first round pick is going to be in the late 20 more is going to be at least in the 20s if not later than that. So you're not getting any slam dunk blue chips. You went for quantity of assets over quality. You probably could have done a version of this where you could have gotten one of the Canucks slam dunk prospects and Kuzmenko because the Canucks needed to send Kuzmenko out for the money. And that was it. But the flames wanted picks. They wanted prospects. They wanted to restock the cupboard. Conroy mentioned Conroy had mentioned that um, they haven't drafted a defenseman in a while, relatively high. So they wanted to start rebuilding out that pool, start developing guys. And the guys they did bring in, there's a there's a plan here. They clearly see they're probably going to trade at least one more of the defensemen, whether it be Tanev or Hannafin. And they need to slowly start restocking the cupboard for the future of the team. Yeah, because it's much better to do it that way than be scrambling. We say it all the time on this show. Got to be proactive and not reactive. And I do worry about this team's defensive depth, um, especially with Rasmus Anderson. But I think by the time his next contract extension hits, it's um, he'll be 30 or 29 or 30 so like you are kind of teetering on that more risky long-term extension thing again but I I don't know I'm not I don't hate this because you do have the ability to package those things the prospects and picks elsewhere if you want to you can hold on to that first round pick but okay the conditional one can go the two prospects at some point it like just to sweeten a deal to get it done. It all depends on what you're trying to do. The flames clearly don't know what their next steps are. So the worst case, they just have more assets to play with. We talked about the idea. Maybe they trade the first round pick to get something in the summer. Maybe they trade these prospects for something when a player becomes more available and they have a better idea of what the overall league salary cap situation is going to look like in the summer. So there's a lot more options. Sure. You, you would ideally like to have fewer assets to trade because then it's easier to move them. The more assets you have to liquidate, the harder it can be to make trades. And we're going to talk more about that in a little bit in the next segment where we talk about some of the reporting that's out there about what's still going to happen. But 
as far as baseline, nobody thinks the Flames got robbed, but some people think the Flames probably could have gotten one really good asset as opposed to four okay assets. Yes, and, uh, you know, this is, again, one of Craig Conroy's early trades, and I this is the first one I think I'm content with. And if you want more of the initial reaction and our thoughts on that, uh, make sure you listen to yesterday's episode, Wednesday's episode, um, and let us know what you think, because it is important that, you know, you share your opinions with us, too. We don't want to be the only ones talking. But coming up next, we are going to wrap up the show with uh, some more market rumors and what what could be on the horizon for the Calgary Flames. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to today's episode. Make sure you're following us on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, at Jess Belmosto and at Nick Zeraris. We talked a little bit last night after we finished recording about the reports being they want a first-round pick for Tanev. Is that realistic? Um, I read Pierre Lebrun's column like an hour ago, and he said if they had a first-round pick offer, it would have been done already because that's what they've been asking for for a few months now. Nobody has offered a first-round pick. A lot of people think it will more likely than not be a second round pick or a second round pick and a prospect in that middle range tier, kind of similar to what they got in this trade already. Something of that tier, a a prospect who was taken probably second, third, fourth round sometime in the last two or three years, who's got a little bit of upside. That seems to be what the price would be to get Tanev done right now. I know part of the reason uh, the Leafs haven't done it yet is they don't have a second round pick this year because they traded theirs last year. I forget in which trade last year that they traded their second, but we all know Brad wants to get him to Toronto. It's just a matter of if he's actually going to be able to do it. I hope he gets to go somewhere where he will have a true shot at winning the Stanley Cup. I don't have faith in the Toronto Maple Leafs, and that's my own uh, bias jumping out, but I don't know. Something poetic about him going back to Vancouver and winning the cup would be nice. Yeah, I there's something there. And that's something we uh, that I also found relatively interesting in reading what I was reading earlier. I forget whose column it was in, but Lindholm was one of the reasons that Jacob Markstrom ultimately signed in Calgary yes. originally a couple of years ago. And that was part of the reasoning. I think it was in Pierre Lebrun's column that He thinks that if a decent team came calling about Markstrom, because the Flames have gotten calls on Markstrom from what I've read, but nothing serious because the Flames were and are still trying to be relatively competitive. But I could see a world where the Devils call and say, can we do Tanev and Markstrom? What would it take to do that? Because they need D and a goalie. Or if you're a team that just needs a goalie, I could see a world where Lindholm's not there. Markstrom's got two years left on his contract. He's got a full no move. He can be the one to determine if and when he wants to go. He's playing pretty well right now. If he doesn't want to relocate and just wants to ride it out in Calgary, all the power to him. If he wants to go somewhere and try and win a Stanley Cup, he will more likely than not have that opportunity based on what we know so far. Yeah, and I'm not – I remember when he signed – the same summer that Chris Tanev signed. And I truly thought that uh, Chris Tanev 
would not, his contract would not age um, well out of the two. And I'm not unhappy with either of their performances. I think that, and they're at the point in their career where they absolutely can dictate where they want to go. And I mean, Markstrom literally has the, the power to do it. And I'm sure Chris Tanev will have many discussions. For sure. From what I understand, they are still trying to engage on Tanev and Hannafin to keep them. They want, they would like to keep them here. Sure. That might just be posturing that, that that's getting reported. So it's leaked out. So other teams are more inclined to increase whatever offer they're going to make for both of those players. But from what I understand, Tanev is more likely than Hannafin to be traded. They're willing to listen on both, but they are still trying to extend both players. Again, you don't know if that's posturing or not. And then Markstrom is possibly available if the right call came. So we don't know, frankly. It's early. We've still got another five weeks till the deadline. There's going to be more movement. There are going to be teams that are currently in the mix right now that are going to fall out of it. But the Flames do still hold probably the best defenseman on the market in Hannafin and one of the more coveted players in Tanev. So they still have a lot of chips to play. Definitely. And I, part of me wonders if a deal hasn't been done with Tanev for a trade, I guess. Um, Are teams not willing to take the risk to sign a guy that has the injury uh, resume that he has, even though they're really strictly looking at him and looking at uh, the playoff picture? And counting on him to be here. But what if an injury happens? If that makes any sense. It's the real conundrum you have. We, we could have the same conversation about Sean Monaghan in Montreal, who's got a long yes. checkered injury history, but is available. And now that Lindholm's been traded, he's arguably the best or second best center of the pending unrestricted free agent center, him or Adam Henrique, whoever you prefer. But he's got a long injury history. Tanev has a long injury history. It's, those are the type those are the types of risks you have to calculate when you are making this if you trust your medical team's ability to evaluate you'll look at the medicals when you agree to the trade if you think you can manage their injury history and take care of them hockey's an inherently dangerous sport there's no way to play hockey safely it's a risk if you are trying to win the stanley cup and you win the stanley cup nobody cares Nobody cares. You win the Stanley Cup. It doesn't matter what you do after that. You think about some of the contracts that have gotten handed out over the last couple of years to guys in Colorado, Tampa, St. Louis, Washington, Pittsburgh, where they won. They took care of their guys. You Mm -hmm. think about the extension that Eric Chernak signed, like a seven-year extension for $5.5 million a year. He's just as hurt as Tanev, and he was only like 26 when he signed that contract, (laughs) and he's arguably as injured as Tanev. But they won their Stanley Cups, so they had the leeway of saying, we won our Cups, let's take care of our guys. You win a Stanley Cup, you can afford to say, okay, we'll take care of Tanev or Monaghan after the season, but this is the hardest Cup the hardest championship to win the better team statistically wins the least often in the playoffs of any of the four major sports in hockey in comparison to basketball, baseball, and football. That's why it's the best trophy. It's the hardest one to win. And that's why I like it too, because you never know Yep. what upset 
is going to happen first? And really, who's going to ultimately be lifting the trophy? And I'm going to put money on the Flames not being in that conversation this year, but maybe um, maybe in a few years from now, uh, that will be a different story. But do you have anything else to add before we wrap up today's show? Your friend on Facebook who's hearing things, he doesn't know anything. No, 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 no. Don't, don't trust them. They're about as accurate as your great aunt that lives four states away sharing her medical opinions on Facebook. So we will see you tomorrow, um, or I'll see you tomorrow. I hope everyone has a good night. Hope you stay warm, stay safe, make sure you're subscribed to Locked on Flames wherever you're getting your podcasts uh, and on YouTube as well. Uh, we just hit 400 subscribers, so thanks for tuning in and making that happen. Uh, Nick, any real final words? Um, I guess I'll go watch the All-Star Game draft now. Oh, yeah, that's a thing.